Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. College football's national championship will be decided Monday night. Oddly enough, for a variety of reasons, some of which we described earlier, there are some tickets still available for only $100 or so. More on that later. More on all things college football with the guest we promised. He once led Alabama to the national championship as a quarterback. Now he gets to describe great quarterbacks at Alabama and Clemson and otherwise. Great work with the SEC Network, ESPNU Radio, and of course also ESPN Proper. Greg McElroy, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? What's up, buddy? How we doing, man? We're doing great. I've enjoyed watching you spar with UCF football fans, even as most of the world has turned to this Clemson-Alabama matchup. What's the nature of this debate? I tend to see things your way when it comes to UCF, but what what is their biggest beef with uh, your recent tweets or, or your point of view on that uh, group of five power? Well, they, they just have a hard time understanding the difference in – the schedule that they play and the schedule that the Power Five conferences play. Like, uh, look, I have no problem if UCF were to play against and beat a Power Five champion, uh, a legit Power Five champion that was in the college football playoff conversation, like Houston beat Oklahoma a couple years ago. Like, I would have had no problem putting Houston in the college football playoff. Absolutely none. Uh, but what they seem to understand, what they seem to misunderstand, is that by playing seven and five Pitt and three and nine North Carolina, that's seemingly doing enough to warrant inclusion into the most exclusive playoff environment that we have in sports. So uh, what they're having a hard time, I think, wrapping their head around is, well, I don't understand why we have to play the tougher schedule like we play who we play yeah it's fine and if you continue to do what you've always done you're going to continue to get the same results but if you want to be taken a little more seriously when it comes to the college football playoff you're going to have to really boost the level of difficulty with your non-conference schedule and the reason why this is such a sticking point is that there was a two-for-one offered where they have to play two games in Gainesville yeah. and one game in Orlando that's all. That's three power five, legit power five games that they could put on their schedule, and they balked at it because they said it's not fair. Well, it's not going to be fair. It's going to be done on Florida's terms. Florida doesn't owe UCF any favors. Like, Florida's doing it because they want to boost their schedule, too. Like, right. uh, I mean, what I don't understand is why they would turn that down, knowing that what's stopping them from getting into the college football playoff conversation is a more challenging schedule. So basically, this is what I think, DG. I think they want to be the subject of a lot of conversation and debate, but they don't really want to do anything to alter the status quo. They want to be invited to the college football playoff, uh, but they don't want to do what it takes to get there. And they love being the bell of the ball in December and early January with a lot of people uh, that, that feel as though they're apologists on behalf of UCF. I really liked your valedictorian analogy. We're talking with Greg McElroy. You can actually catch Greg on Monday night on the SEC Network's megacast option. So there's all sorts of ways to consume Alabama against Clemson Part 4 on Monday night. SEC Network megacast will include Greg McElroy, a fun follow on Twitter, at Greg McElroy. So... You, of course, in your case, being the valedictorian is probably not even a hypothetical. For those who don't, for those who don't know, Greg earned a master's degree from Bama with a 4.0 GPA. He scored a 43, I think it was, out of 50. I wonder, like.
prospect. Where, by the where are you a high school valedictorian? I honestly don't know. Probably so. I was not my. But what's funny is I was not. I was not even top ten percent in my high school senior. Uh, because in, well, I went to a crazy high school, like a lot of really remarkable yeah. high achievers academically. Uh, but my wife was valedictorian, oh, so cool. it's really funny, like the dynamic in our house. Well, uh, she's definitely the brains of the operation. And, and I'll just add this, even though I, I also went to a really tough high school. I also was not a valedictorian, but I, I scored probably roughly around you did. I am not somebody who's been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame as the National Football Foundation's Scholar Athlete of the Year, as Greg McElroy was back in 2010. But I digress. The valedictorian analogy that I loved and you can use me as the as the less intelligent <laughs> candidate. So McElroy is taking calculus, et cetera. I'm taking I'm getting great grades as well, but I'm taking, uh, you know, I don't know, algebra one or algebra two, whatever is next in that ascension. And, you know, you and I both have the same GPA. Go ahead and elaborate on what you were trying to com uh, communicate to UCF fans, because you're not saying that their GPA is not stellar at UCF. It is. You're just saying they're not taking the same classes. Yeah, and, and it's essentially like an AP-weighted course. Like, if you're going to be taking AP-level classes, you're going to get additional credit towards your GPA. For instance, like AP is on a 5.0 scale, and you're and – you're, Less than AP classes, your pre-AP or your just standard classes are going to be on a 4.0 scale. Like that's, it's pretty simple. I, I don't feel like it's that challenging. No. Uh, what they think, though, is they think the American, because their conference commissioner has branded it as such, and I, hey, I, I applaud Mike Oresco for doing what he's done on behalf of the American Athletic Conference. He's tremendous, and they've done a great job in their league putting forth some really, really impressive products on the football field in the last few years. The Americans should be proud of the growth they've had, but they're not the power six. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, they brand themselves as that, and that's fine, but there's a gigantic gap between the power five and, quote, the power six, the American conference. For instance, Temple got paid three times, uh, three times their annual TV revenue in buyouts that they've had from Jeff Collins and Manny Diaz, who was there for less than a month. It just goes to show you it's a huge gap between the two in talent and quality and all the other aspects in, in fan support. It's just, it's totally different. So their fans seem to think the American conference is equivalent to that of the SEC, ACC, big 12, et cetera. And it's not, and that's perfectly okay. All you have to do is look at Utah and TCU their first two years in their power five league. When they made the jump, TCU went from being 36 and three, or somewhere in the vicinity, that 36 and three over a three-year span in the Mountain West. Their first two years in the Big 12, they were 500. So it's a completely different, a different set of circumstances having to play at that league. Now in year three, TCU got it going, and they finished top five in the country. But that was year three. It took them two years to adjust and get acclimated, um, and they clearly struggled to make that leap. And for ECU fans in our backyard, of course, members of the AAC, I have brought up, whereas I have sympathy for the difficulty of a group of five team making the current format, the four-team playoff, on the day that decisions had to be made, a school like Alabama had wins over top five Georgia, top 10 or so LSU, top 20 Mississippi State, top 20 Texas A&M, top 25 Missouri. 
and UCF at that same moment of decision making, who's going to be in the playoff, had zero top 25 victories. And, and that underlines why you can have a beautiful record two years in a row and still fairly get left out of the current format. A lot of folks have seen this year's postseason results and said, you know, it shows that we don't need an 18 playoff, that, that you know, it's going to be Alabama-Clemson uh, under a four-team format, well, might be that again under an eight-team format, and because so many other top 10 teams lost their bowl games, maybe that's a disincentive to move from four to eight. Did, did anything that's happened in recent weeks change your mind about what is the magic number for college football's postseason? I've always felt like four teams is, is fine, and it situation like this year um three four five seven eight nine all lost it, it kind of puts a little bit of a dent in the people that have been pounding the table for the 18 playoff model um but basically this is the way i've looked at it too dg like if you are an 18 playoff guy like i'm not changing your mind like you're going to take the results of this postseason and say oh well this is further proof that we need to expand the playoff because all those teams were completely disinterested and they were all been out of shape and bummed out that they didn't make the playoffs. So they didn't prepare. And as a result, the bowl games weren't competitive. Like, like you're going to use that line of thinking. And I, for one, am going to sit there and say, well, clearly those teams had flaws. Like they didn't belong in the playoff conversation to begin with Georgia, who was the first team out lost by 20 on the road at LSU three lost LSU, by the way. So I, I mean, you're going to take it and spin it and use the information that we have available depending on what your perspective is. What I've started to realize is this is not a black and white enterprise. Yeah. There are some seasons where four teams is great. There's some te- seasons when six teams is great. Uh, there's other seasons when eight teams is great, but very few. Uh, I've always just been in line with less is more. And if you're going to protect the integrity of the regular season, I'd rather have less teams and less spots available, because if we expand it to eight, well, what if the eighth-ranked team is a three-loss team? And what if there's three SEC teams in that eight-loss group, or in that eight-team group? Like, I, I just feel like less is more, because if you account and open it up and you open Pandora's box that wide, you're going to let in some bad teams that don't deserve it, and you're going to get more fluky results. And that's fine if you're college hoops. College hoops is great, because it's the regular season is completely irrelevant. 18 and 14 Syracuse gets in a couple of years ago. They make a run of the final four. Like that, that to me is, I don't want that to happen to college football. Like March Madness, the greatest month on the sports calendar, but the five months leading up to March Madness, no one cares outside of the triangle where you're at and, <laughs> and a few places scattered here and there. So that's the issue. I don't want college football to become college basketball where nobody pays attention until February. And, and even when they do pay attention, it's hardly do or die. Uh, that's the beauty of college football is it's do or die every week. You better be ready to go coming out of the gate in September or else you could be left behind come December, uh, December 1st when they're making those decisions. Greg McElroy of ESPN is joining us on the David Glenn Show on Twitter. He's at Greg McElroy. Check out the Megacast on Monday night as Alabama takes on Clemson one more time. It's on the SEC Network. Since you brought up college basketball, I saw some crazy numbers related to the Alabama-Clemson football matchup. I think it was Larry Williams of Tiger Illustrated who tweeted that Alabama has won 55 of its last 58 games with one of those losses being to Clemson. Clemson has won 57 of 61 
with two of those losses being to Alabama. You know, in our neighborhood, you know the deal, Greg. When when Duke and Carolina are overlapping dynasties at the same time, it makes it even better. And yet we've heard some argument that, you know, Alabama and Clemson again is somehow bad for college football. Which side of the fence right. do you come back, come down on there? Well, the difference between Alabama Clemson and North Carolina Duke is that North Carolina Duke are two blue bloods. Like, I mean, we're talking about two fan bases that are nationally relevant. Like, two fan bases that everyone has a rooting interest on. Like, I, for one, I'm a Duke guy. Like, I like Duke. I always have. I love Roy Williams, but I've, I've always kind of grown. As a child, regardless of where you live, and I'm from Los Angeles, California, like, you have a rooting interest, Duke or Carolina. Every, <laughs> that's the difference. The one thing that I'll say about Bama Clemson is Clemson hasn't really developed that yet. Now, now they're getting there, um, but if this were Alabama-Notre Dame and we're seeing simultaneous dynasties, then, yeah, it's a little different. But the problem is they're both in the same region of the country, a region of the country that uh, already feels like they have a significant superiority complex over every other region when it comes to football. And, and people are just, you know, they're just in. If there was a West Coast team, You're back. if it was, if, I'm sorry about that, sorry. if it was USC against Alabama or USC against Florida State or USC against Notre Dame or USC against Texas or Ohio State, like that would be a little different. But since they're both in the same region and Clemson hasn't had those decades of brilliance where they've built up a national following, like they're getting there. But I wouldn't say they're there just yet. They're still uh, more of a regional follow at this point. And that's why I think some people have soured on the idea. But as a football purist, I want the best on the field. And Clemson and Alabama the last four years have been the best. So you can say, well, it's bad for the game. Oh, no one really is interested. No one else has a chance to do all-star teams. Like, those are all very valid and fair points. But if you really like to watch excellence, that's what's going to be on display on Monday. Are the two best teams, the two best programs, the most consistent programs of the last handful of years? Last thing for Greg McElroy, ESPN and the SEC Network, also ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Having watched both of these teams, I believe that if they played back in, say, September when Kelly Bryant was the Clemson quarterback, I would have picked the Tide by, like, three touchdowns. It feels a lot different now with Trevor Lawrence at the controls for Clemson and, of course, still Tua Tungavailoa at the controls at QB for, for the Tide. But I still feel like Alabama is better somehow. When you go into Monday night, what are your keys to the game? And when push comes to shove, where would your money be uh, when it comes to this rematch? Well, I would take the points because I think the teams are very close. So if you're talking money, uh, I would take the points. And that would be on, obviously on Clemson's side. Alabama is about a touchdown favorite, maybe less in some places. I don't know exactly where it's at, but I know it's hovering around six and a half, seven. Uh, so I would take the points for sure. But what I would also say is it's going to be a fascinating watch to see whether or not Alabama is able to slow down Clemson's rushing attack. That's the difference between Clemson this year and in years past. Like they feature a vertical passing game and they feature a rushing attack with Tavian Feaster or with Feaster and with Travis Etienne, that are terrific. So that's one of the big things, the big keys. Can Alabama neutralize the rushing attack without having to apply an additional hat in the box? If they bring a safety down in the box, 
And that means there's one-on-one on the outside. And one-on-one against Clemson's wide receivers is a problem. I don't care who you are. You can put Darrell Revis in his prime and Champ Bailey in his prime out there on an island, and those Clemson receivers are going to make a couple plays. So that's going to be a really interesting matchup to see whether or not Clemson can effectively run the football. Uh, if they can, that means it could be a long day for Bama's defense. And then for Clemson, can they get Tua Tungabailoa out of rhythm? If you look at Georgia and how Georgia disrupted that rhythm of the passing game, uh, it was amazing. He looked flustered for the first time really all season. Yeah. So they have to really disrupt the, the rhythm of the passing game. they got to make sure they take away his first progression because if he knows where he's going with the football, it's over. He will carve you up to death. So you have to take away that first progression, and then you have to apply some pressure. And if you can hit him and hit him over and over again, no quarterback likes being hit. Uh, but that's really, I think, going to be the big key for Clemson, that defensive line, peeing off, applying pressure, and, and making Tua Tungvaluwa uncomfortable. So it's going to be a fascinating matchup, man. It's going to be strength against strength, and these teams are built to play against each other, and, and that's why I think we're all really looking forward to the matchup. Long ago, here on our statewide platform, we created a mythical college that we call Podunk State University that we just bring <laughs> up for hypotheticals. We are retroactively, Darren, write this down, Greg McElroy, you can pick the year, Greg. You were the valedictorian of the class of blank <laughs> at Podunk State University, just so that blends in with all of your other academic accomplishments. That's good. That's one thing. Like, hey, you can knock me for being a bad player. Like, I don't know that bothers me. But if you knock me on academics, that's where we're going to have an issue. Why why should you back down on that? And now you get to call yourself a valedictorian. It's only Podunk State, but uh, maybe that'll count for something in Twitter land. Who knows? Podunk, Podunk State, much more, uh, much better academic standards than South Lake Carroll High School. That's for sure. I, I know that for a fact. <laughs> well done, man. Thanks for the conversation, as always. Keep up the good work. See you, brother. All right. On the SEC Network's Megacast Monday night, tied Tigers one more time for all the marbles. I see the downside. I still think double dynasties is more good than bad for college football. You want to see great teams play great teams.